My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. This is Ryan Peterson, and you are listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. More bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis. Oh yeah. Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to the show because it's exactly right. There's the nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. The Nephilology Roundtable. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals? And long distance pals. We're back. The Sasquatch is back. Yes, I am. Trimmed up. Both you guys are trimmed up a little bit. I look like somebody. You try to look like me. You guys are getting rid of hair to look Wait, like hey, me. Hey, I still have hair, though. <laughs> it's all there. It's just shorter. Mine's just invisible. Hmm. You're just going in coming out your ears. <laughs> 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 I 
don't know. Fair enough. Well, Ben, how how have you been? I've been We've missed you. I've been good. Been busy. Yeah, I had date night last time we uh, recorded. Didn't have the kids. Why would then you we, schedule a date night on bro night? It just happened. Just happened that you way. You don't know that saying, do you? I'll I, leave it there. I do. But yeah, we'll leave it there. So we got all all the all the little meat birds took care of. They're all in the freezer. Good. Yeah, I mean it's got the garden started. Good. We're working on it. We're getting there. Your baby garden. My baby garden. Still more than I need, buddy. Yeah. Enjoying what about the you? warm weather. Car show weather. Yeah, car show weather's coming. Got the big Mopar show next month. Got Mother's Day coming up this Sunday at the time of the recording. And then Monday is my wedding anniversary, so I'm back-to-back slammed here. What'd you get her? She's very minimalistic. She was like, I don't want a big fuss. She likes experiences. That's what they all say. So with oh, her, I, I mean, it's a trap. You know, why didn't you get me anything? Of course, I'll get some flowers, take her out to yeah. eat or something. But she's like, I'd much rather just have go experiences, somewhere. go do something, go on a little adventure. So all this overtime, I've been working, saving up for a, a New York trip. The kids have never been to New York. So we're going to take them up there to the, the big apple. I'd like to see the Statue of Liberty. I've seen I, pictures. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I could physically go up there, though. I would be put in jail. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll just say that. Which I went for New Year's. It was 2015. So I sit there in Times Square and froze my butt off and got to see, you know, quite a bit of sights that day. But it was just really cold and it was miserable. Which the only unmiserable part, you know, I proposed to her. You know, how cliche, but uh, proposed to her on Times Square at New Year's. So I told her, I was like, I'd like to go back when the weather's nicer and I can actually enjoy it and walk around and see everything. Because we didn't get to go to, I can't remember if it was uptown or downtown where the park is. We didn't get to go to that big old park and see Central Park or whatever they call it. So we're gonna make sure we go check that out when we go. I don't know. New York Park. Uh, whatever. Central Park, that sounds right. <laughs> I think it's Central uh, Park. Well, Ben, let's uh, get, open us up in prayer and we'll get started. Dear, dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time of fellowship, this bro time that we're having. Lord, please let our message reach the people you need. Give us discernment and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, what are we digging at today, Steve? Well, we're digging into a, a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. You've you've dove into this before a little bit on here, but mostly um, you've done a lot of this and talked to me a lot about this before. But something I haven't really had the time to, or I guess just haven't taken the time to, to get into. But we're going to look into the biblical side of astrology and astronomy, which I think it's important to have the to distinguish the two um, because some people kind of put them in the same pool and they are not the same thing but 
Astronomy is actually the branch of science that deals with celestial objects, space, and the physical universe as a whole. Right? That's the that's the the Webster definition. Astrology is the study of the movements and relative positions of celestial bodies, which is you know syncs up so far with the with the scientific side of things, and then interpreted as having influence on human affairs and the natural world. Horoscopes. So using it to try to predict your future. A fortune teller. Uh, uh, someone who, who um, uh, divination. Some of these things that where they're, they're really trying to, uh, like I said, it's, you're trying to tell, tell the future but through the use of the zodiac. And, the stars uh, say that we're all going to die at some point. <laughs> they told the Mayans 2012. Pay, pay me money. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> that's the truth, unfortunately, a lot of times. But uh, I think um, we'll jump in with a, a couple of verses. Uh, if you want to read that first one you have on there, because we'll go into. Well, I got uh, Genesis, you know, that's where everything started. You know, Genesis 1, verse 14. God said. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. You know, so scripture tells us, you know, stars were created for signs, seasons, days, and years. You know, in my opinion, it's a, a perfect clock, you know, or calendar. You know, the sun, the hour, the moon, the day of the month, and the constellations for the seasons. So, I mean, that's, you know, what Genesis tells us, the purpose of their creation. If you go to Psalm 8.3, When I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. So God has put these things deliberately in a position where they are. God has, obviously, did he created them. But I think the, the point of this, and it's actually kind of funny that me and you synced up and kind of had similar verses to start because you really want to see that God is the ultimate creator. That's the most important thing that we see from this is that God created these things. God put these things in place. This wasn't, you know, man-made. This isn't just something, you know, uh, the Big Bang or something like this that put everything. God created these things. Another one is Psalm 147.4. He determines the number of the stars. He gives them all of their names. So God even had, you know, he, he even named each of the stars right this these are it's it's pretty amazing to think you know god, it, we hear it through the, the the bible you know god talks about the um he knows the numbers you know of the hairs on your head which for me is easier than for you but the uh there's Four. there's so many things god has put all these things in place god knows every there's nothing that is beyond god and i know that's a little cliche but at the same time it's true so when we see these things he determined the number of the stars and he gave them all their names. Do you got some, you got another yeah. one? Yeah, Acts chapter 2 verse 19, you know, to prove that, you know, it was used for signs and stuff. He says, "I will show wonders in the heavens above." And then Psalms 19, 1 and 2, "The heavens declare the glory of God. Day to day it pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge." You know, it says, I got my notes, it says, the ancients have been mapping and looking to the heavens since the beginning of time. 
you know, they are finding, you know, all these ancient architecture lining up with the stars as far back as Gobekli Tepe. And mm -hmm. we talked about that, you know, with, uh, Aaron with Aaron Judkins there. You know, these are supposed to be stupid cavemen, you know, who were just hunter-gatherers. But, you know, the things that we're finding show a very different history. So going one more further, and this, this one to me is kind of a – it's a it's a cool look at it, but it's kind of a clincher on the whole thing, and that's Job 38, uh, 31 through thirty three, and you see here, and this is when uh, God actually is responding to Job, right? So, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season, or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of heaven, and can you establish their rule on earth? So, first of all, in Job, we, we see God referring to the Maseroth, which was the, the Hebrew name for the, the constellations of the Zodiac, right? So we have that showing this, and it's quite old, because Job is supposedly the oldest book in the Bible. That's what we're, that's what we're told, and uh, a lot of estimations, um, and some scholars believe it's as old as um, 2,150 years before Christ. So if you think about that, think about how long ago that was, right? That's over 4,000 years from now. And actually, when this was written then, if this is true, when this is written, they're farther away from the birth of Christ than we are. Right. I mean, think about that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's mind-blowing to me, that this is so far back that these, the, the, the Maseroth, the constellations of the Zodiac, the Hebrew, you know, Zodiac. And we're talking that God's talking about this and talking about the, the constellations, the Pleiades, Orion, which is probably between Orion and the Big Dipper are probably the most two, you know, we call the Big Dipper. But is, are the, the two most, uh, you know, ones that everybody Noticeable knows. Noticeable in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. You look that's up and, I mean. oh, that's that. Yeah. Great pyramids lined up with, with Orion's belt. And, yeah. And there's, I mean, we'll get into that too. There's so much in there to unpack, but I think that that is, it's just a really cool thing to see that the oldest book in the Bible is already talking, God is talking, he's, he's telling Job the names of these constellations, the ones that he named. I mean, we're seeing it right there, first of all. So I think that's pretty cool. But uh, we see uh, a lot of signs of astrological importance in cultures around the world, around the world whether it's um, individual constellations that are singled out or certain dates of the year, um, like the equinoxes. So we see this in antiquity with some of these older buildings, and you just brought it up with the pyramids. That's, uh, you look at um, Stonehenge, uh, the dawning of the summer solstice, the sun rises directly above the heel stone. There's, there's uh, Machu Picchu in Peru, the, and then talking, this is the Incan culture, right? This is, this is back a ways. There is a giant stone on top of the sacred mountain, and it's Inatuahantana, I can't say that right, I promise, I apologize, which means the place where the sun gets tied. The stone is positioned perfectly so that its corners sit at the four cardinal points, north, east, south, and west. But the crazy part is that exactly at noon, on the spring and fall equinoxes, the sun's shadow disappears on just those two days. Like, they line that up so perfectly that it only disappears on those two days. No one knows how they knew this stuff. No one knows how they got this. I mean, I think I know. And I think it was, you know, 
all the way back from and actually we'll get into that in a minute sorry i'm gonna back it up one more time back it um, up. chichen itza right the mayans in mexico on the spring equinox there's a shadow that's created to look like a snake that that crawls up the side of the pyramid and they call it the return of the sun serpent when it happens kind of interesting kettle we're st- yeah, classic kettle, and we're starting to see the the, the serpent, and we're going to see that a lot. But the serpent, um, some of the Genesis three fifteen narrative that we're going to see a lot of through this, and then Chaco Canyon, uh, which is in New Mexico, uh, by the Pueblo people, they carved images into the rocks that track the seasons and track the passage of time. So you're seeing these people understood the celestial changes, the the what God put into place, the, the you know the the like you said the times and the seasons and then what we say the the to separate the day and night these they saw how all this changed and how they could use this to to map time i mean god put this in place from the beginning in uh, isaiah 47 verse 13 it says those who divide the heavens who gaze at the stars so he's talking about these people you know you know doing that just what you were talking about you know but somewhere along the line and you were alluding to this either way so it was a, a good segue but you know somewhere along the line this intent and knowledge was perverted mm-hmm. you know in Romans chapter 1 verse 25 Paul says they traded the truth for a lie and worshiped the created things instead of the creator and then later uh, Acts chapter 7 and 42 but God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven. You know, I believe this verse is referring to the events at the Tower of Babel, you know, depicted in full in the context of uh, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 8. You know, there it states that when the nations were divided amongst the sons of God, in Hebrew, you know, the B'nai Ha Elohim, every time this phrase is used, it's describing angelic beings. You know, this isn't the beginning of knowledge, or, but it's the beginning of it being perverted. You know, for for that, we must go back to Genesis 6 where we find the sons of God phrase once again. Mm-hmm. Exa- that's exactly. Um, I guess another interesting point, kind of following along the same lines to some degree, but we're looking at going back, you know, how far this went. I think it's interesting that even in other cultures, and we look at um, in Arabic traditions, it's said that the signs of the Zodiac actually came from Seth and Enoch, which I think that's interesting when we're not even talking about Christian background, but they're still relating the, they're still relating the zodiac back to very early. You know, we're talking the line of Adam and Eve right there. Seth being you know the third son, and Enoch being his son. We're talking the, and obviously we could go down a whole other rabbit trail with Enoch, but the that saying that that's where they believe that came from, and I think that's really interesting. But that shows a very early knowledge of it from a biblical standpoint. If that's true even in other cultures, which I think is kind of a cool, you know, it just, we don't, we always use the Bible to, to back up, you know, try to back up everything that we say. But sometimes you're going to see those, and we, we talk about using the book of Enoch, an extra biblical source, or the book of Jasher, Jubilees, whatever. But now we're looking at different, you know, oral traditions from other countries and other, other uh, cultures that also back this stuff up. So when you see it all mixed together, it's just, it's just amazing blows me away yeah well, see the book of enoch you know it even says specifically that they taught them you know the the signs of the mm-hmm. seasons and the stars and you know and all those things and all that is just depicted in the book of enoch but then when you like you say when you go into other cultures and stuff you hear about uh, the pillars of lamech 
-hmm. you know that that's how all this knowledge survived the flood was that you know that that Lamech who traded his daughter Nama to the fallen angels for knowledge and all of a sudden they could you know make all these weapons of war and had all this you know knowledge of math and just all this you know forbidden knowledge mm -hmm. that he also got warned about the flood and wrote all this down on two pillars and then it was found and there that's where you get the whole mystery babylon and the whole esoteric movement of these secret societies today it's just amazing how it all ties together i mean that's the coolest part it proves that it's true oh yeah that's that's what i find amazing it's you know somebody you know say well you're just reading the bible it says that in there but when you're getting other religions other scholars other people that aren't in the bible mm -hmm. also saying the exact same thing then you can't just say, oh, you just got that out of the Bible. You're one of them guys well, kind of thing. It's great because that, the Bible does that for us countless times. When you look at just the flood, we talk about how many different flood encounters are there. I mean, or accounts, I shouldn't say right. encounters. Right, yeah. Through almost every different uh, culture around the world. It's everywhere. So, I mean, it, it just, it's just the same thing. It just shows us that we're seeing it um, from the other side. But going back to what you were saying earlier about how this – became perverted i think i think there's a something kind of interesting because if you look at modern astrology right the zodiac starts with aries right so if we go back uh, in a, well i should say this in antiquity and if we find the oldest known zodiac zodiac or, or a planisphere if we find the oldest known one it's actually on the ceiling of a temple in Egypt called Ensa, there is a painting on the ceiling where the Sphinx is between Virgo and Leo. The head is pointing to Virgo, uh, uh, showing the beginning of the Zodiac with the tail pointing to Leo, showing that's the end. And that's how the, the Zodiac was originally, I guess you'd say, the oldest known one that we have on record shows Virgo being the beginning and Leo being the end, which is really important when we look at it from a biblical perspective because then you start to see how the story kind of un unfolds when you look at the Zodiac. If you don't see that and you start somewhere else, the story, which has been perverted, has, you know, it's, there's always some kind of abomination that happens to something uh, uh, through, um, you know, whether it be... Uh, those fallen angels trying to change things to make them be the gods or all these different uh, things that we see along the history that we use it in the wrong way. It's not what God intended. So, and it's, it's pretty plain and it blows me away. Cause like I said, I read, I think, I, I think I read at least a book and a half just last, you know, yesterday, just going over this because I found it so interesting and it just kept, it was, it was pretty crazy, but I think that, that it's really important to see Virgo being the beginning and Leo symbolizing the end. And that was even in the Egyptian planisphere, right? So we're not talking about the Maseroth, we're talking about the Egyptian planisphere. So I think that's pretty amazing. But um, Zodiac in general, which most people are pretty familiar with, right? You've heard of your horoscope, you've heard of this thing, you've, you've uh, uh, seen it on the back of the newspaper. And I think it's interesting as I saw a Capricorn. 
That's a Virgo. Gemini. See, we all know it, but I guess. But that's the thing. But why do we know that? I don't know. Because there were dates. Somebody told me there were dates put to it, and then it said that this is you know, and then this is what is going to happen because you were born in between these days and these days. You know, you're going to have a huge job opportunity open up in this. You know, blah 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 blah. But there was an interesting stat. One One of the books, even the personality characteristics. I don't know if it's you know if there's any weight to it at all, or if it's just like a preconditioning type thing. You know what I mean? Because like I've always heard, you know, that the Capricorns are very stubborn, and that you can't be in a relationship with another Capricorn, or you're just going to butt heads a lot. It could be just coincidence. But me and my wife are both Capricorns, and we are (laughs) both very stubborn. (laughs) We ram a lot, (laughs) but we make up good. Well, that's what what it's about. What it's about. Everybody's going to argue. It's all about. Well, well you can't make up unless you have conflict, right? That's right. Sunny days wouldn't be special if it weren't for rain. There you go. That is that is profound. Appreciate that. I'll just leave now. <laughs> that's, 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 that's all I got for the day. <laughs> well, anyways, Zodiac divided into 12 parts or houses, with each part having three uh, separate deacons as well. Uh, and they're, they're, you can kind of look at them as like supporting constellations that are telling a story. Um, and this, I know, this is, I'm telling you. That was in that book I gave it you. It is. I tell you, well, read it. Actually, it's funny because the other book that I read yesterday actually was quoting the book that you gave me. So I'll have to put these down. I meant to bring them so I could they're good. show them. They're good. I'll put the, I'll send them on the, on the Facebook and I'll put them up and just show, I'll put pictures and. And, and that way, if anybody wants to look into this, it, it's fascinating. And I'll put it up on this video, too. I'll find it and put it up. Okay. But I, I'll have to show you. I'll show that one, but I have two others that need to go. They're really good as well. But anyway, I, to be honest, I didn't know about the three deacons thing before we started looking at this. I had no clue. I'd never even heard of that before. I was looking at, I obviously knew the Zodiac. We see it. Um, it's right in front of us. But I just learned about it in school when I was younger. Other than that, no. Well, you want to start us off with the first one? Oh, you go ahead. I, but I will say this before you get started. When you go and look at the, you know, the esoterics, the enlightened ones, you know, these secret societies and uh, just, I guess, a blanket term, you know, just the enlightened ones, the reason why they hate Christianity so much is that they believe that Christianity perverts the truth. And just, you know, this will be a whole nother episode. But <laughs> just briefly, they, you know, how we believe, you know, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. S O N. They believe that it's been perverted because the only begotten Son of God, the grand architect, is the S U N. And then where it says, in my father's house, there's many mansions. They're talking about the houses of the constellations and the deacons. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's all this uh, astronomical, you know, just taking God out of it. And and they claim that we've perverted the truth and hidden it. And and they have the the true knowledge. uh, I listened to uh, William Cooper his uh, hour of the time and uh, I encourage you guys to check that out that's a really cool uh, radio program they converted it recently to a uh, podcast form but it's crazy just all the 
different things, especially when you get into astrology that, uh, you know, Mystery Babylon and all these occults and secret societies believe. Hmm. No, I think that's amazing. It is, it's, it's always, uh, you know, the, the um, almost the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So what everybody sees is, is truth is always this abomination behind it. And, and you see, and we talk about that, how many times where Satan shows himself as an angel of light. So it's real easy to fall into those, those ruts that, that, that it's real easy to fall into false teachings, which, I mean, it's sad, but we see it all the time. We see people fall into false doctrines all the time. And the hard part is, is that, you know, if you don't have your Bible and you don't have that in front of you and that's not your, your number one source of information, then you're going to struggle. You need to go right to the gospel. Know your gospel. This is the, the El Barino talk. Know your gospel. And then go out from there. But always be able to defend why you believe what you believe. And from there, I mean... You see, just by what we're talking about so far, we can see the proof in this from what the Bible says, from other cultures showing it's true. And we haven't even gotten into the thick stuff yet. Not even close. And it, it, it gets even more intense as we go. But I guess starting out with the first constellation, if we go by that, uh, uh, the oldest planisphere that we know of being um, the, the one in the temple in Egypt. So, And we'll start with Virgo. Um, Virgo, the virgin, which we've heard before, that's what it is portrayed um, even in, in uh, the, you know, the Zodiac today. Um, but I think that it's kind of cool that we see this is the start, right? With us showing this is the start, where does our salvation start? It started with the virgin, right? I think that's such an, it's, it's funny how these, as soon as you turn that, it's almost like a dial. You turn that horoscope to the right, or not horoscope, sorry. You turn that zodiac to the right part, then all of a sudden the story falls in line. And everything goes where it's supposed to go. It's just, it just blew me away. I mean, I should have read that book you gave me a long time ago. Sorry. Yeah. Well, should've. that's when you get into the whole ages. You oh, know, yes. and some people, you know, we'll get there eventually, but where Jesus said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. You know, he was with them during the age of, Pisces and that's how they get these ages is we talked about the houses mm -hmm. and how these constellations line up in certain houses and that's how you get your ages of course you got different ways to calculate it and some people will say oh we're still in the age of Pisces or we're at the end of it and you got some saying that you know we're entering the age of Aquarius yeah. back in like 2012 and that's why you see all the 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 people calendar. just yeah and all the people looking for truth now and all the you know yep. knowledge increasing that's you know some people say that's you know god pouring out his spirit onto mankind and that's what aquarius is he's pouring out his water so that's how you get the whole age thing with the dial that is pretty nifty that's pretty cool <laughs> Well, in Hebrew, um, the word for this constellation is Bethula, which in turn means he means virgin. So uh, Virgo in Greek, Latin and Arabic also means virgin. So we obviously know we're talking about a virgin. I mean, this is this is what it means. This is where the, the root of this comes from. And I will uh, 
start here with Isaiah 7:14, which therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel so we see this right away you know it, we see the virgin we've heard of the virgin birth the immaculate conception but this is the start of the story and when you look at her she's depicted having a branch in her right hand and two sheaves of corn in her left hand right so it's it's interesting <laughs> Because I, I never had heard of the branch or thought of the branch, but when you look into that on a more biblical side of things, the branch you see in Zechariah 6.12, it says, And say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from this place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. And then Zechariah again, 3.8, Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. And then Isaiah 4, 2. In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be pride and honor and the survivors of Israel. So we see, I mean, what's the branch, right? We're seeing that. It's, it's spelled out for us right there. I think it's amazing because I think that those signs of the zodiac, the, the, even down to the more minute detail, what the, what the constellation's holding. It's telling the story it's, of Christ. It's telling the story of Christ. It's awesome. It's unreal. And it's not just one or two. I mean, I'm sure he'll go through it. I mean, it's been a while since I read that book, but certain little things stand out, but it's like every single one. Yes. Oh, it goes... I. Believe I have it down to the T in this. I Go ahead, it. let it rip, Tater Jip. Oh, dear Lord. Well, then we got, in the other hand, we got the corn, right? So she's holding two sheaves of corn. So what is corn, right? We have the corn. If, if we, if we uh, take that corn out to your garden there, Ben, we plant it, right? And more corn happens. But that corn's a, a seed. So this is going Bread right back. This is going right back to the seed war. And also, one makes many yeah makes many but we see and this is crazy because you'll see this and that genesis three fifteen. this whole narrative is so just rife through this whole thing it's it's non-stop it, it's it's one thing after another everything that you look into it keeps showing the the whole um you know you will uh crush his head but he will strike your heel this is just all through the zodiac this is all through this in almost every part you see that same narrative there is so much about the serpent there's so much about the dragon things of that nature throughout this and and we'll see it as we keep going but uh the brightest star in virgo is called spica which in antiquity actually meant branch so there we again have it right there so i find that really interesting um, but getting into the deacons, right? Three deacons for each one. And I don't know if you want to go through this by each, I mean, or just highlights or, or what you want to do because I don't know how long this will take if we go through each thing. Yeah, it probably would take a while. I guess uh, unless there's something that's really, I mean, I don't want to restrict you or nothing. If you feel it's important, go ahead. Well, I, I think, well. It is very extensive. I was just, just going to say it is very extensive, and I think it's all important, but I don't think... But people can dig into some stuff on their own. Yeah. 
But um, I guess going through the highlights, we can hit the deacons and just maybe a, maybe a little highlight about each one or something of that nature, just not having to go too deep. But anything you want to jump on, just keep jumping on. But the first deacon. You know, I like it. You went a whole different direction than I did, so this is great. Well, then, like I said, jump and put the however you want to do it. Just let's keep rolling. Uh, first deacon is, is coma, which is, is a constellation that shows a woman holding a child. Kind of interesting because mm. we're following right after the virgin, right? The, now the virgin's holding a child. We're seeing this come out, and actually, it's funny, coma in Egyptian was it's it says she's new that's the that was the word she's new and that actually meant um desired son i mean is that not crazy these things are all just keep stacking up and i know i'm sorry i'm getting a little excited <laughs> but uh even even talking about this um constellation shakespeare wrote in titus andronicus about shooting an arrow up to the good boy in virgo's lap so we're seeing it in other writings as well. You're seeing it from, you know, the non-biblical other cultural references, which is just amazing to me that all those puzzle pieces just keep falling back into place. And all it, take is, all it takes is putting that zodiac back to where it was supposed to be before its corruption, before it was, it was turned into something different. What this is, if you haven't figured it out already, is it's... The, the story of our salvation, it starts with Written Mary. In the stars. It starts, and it's in the stars. God gave us the keys. God gave us the pictures. He's telling us what's going to happen. He shows us everything that has happened, and actually towards the end, everything that's going to happen. And uh, it's pretty crazy. One other thing on that one that's kind of interesting, there's an Arabian astronomer who was named Elbumazar, I'm telling you, that's true. And uh, he was actually a, he was a non-Christian astronomer from the 8th century. And he said, this is a quote from him, there arises from the first deacon as the two Hermes and Ascelius teach a young wise, or I'm sorry, a young woman whose Persian name translated into Arabic was Adrendefa, Adrendefa, a pure, immaculate virgin holding two ears of corn sitting on a throne, nourishing an infant in the act of feeding him, who, was a, who has a Hebrew name by some nations called Ehishu, which we know in Greek as Christ. This is a non-Christian, 8th century astronomer who even is relating that back to Jesus Christ. It just, it just blows me away. Just all these little, kind of crazy. Uh, second deacon is the uh, is Centaurus, the centaur. And we've talked about centaurs and stuff before, and 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 um, some of these other mythological creatures and things of that nature. But um, in Greek mythology, centaurs were thought to be heavenly uh, begotten. They were considered the sons of the gods, right? So we're talking about the Greek changing the greek um abomination of the zodiac as we see and if we go back and you were talking about isaiah how you know even then we're talking about old testament isaiah he's talking about how the stargazers and all they're uh, they've already manipulated this into something it's yeah, not it's already been well established yes but they've already changed it they've already used it, it, it for a negative purpose 
Well, yeah, Genesis 6 had already happened. Yes, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, exactly. So you, you're seeing this throughout history. We're talking about the Greeks here, seeing that that was, uh, um, you know, they thought, that, but I think it's funny because they leave a bit of truth, right? The only begotten sons of God is basically how they say they considered them the sons of God, heavenly begotten. Yeah. And uh, that ties into some of the stuff that I was talking about was uh, how basically stars were correlated to divine beings often in scripture you know uh, job 38 7 you know when the morning stars sang together all the sons of god shouted for joy so there you know it's correlating the sons of god the beneha elohim as the morning stars you know, it talks about the, the heavenly host, which is, you know, the divine council was created before us and witnessed creation, and they're referred to as, you know, morning stars. You know, uh, Numbers twenty four seventeen, a star shall come out of Jacob. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, Genesis 26, 4, your descendants will be like the stars of heaven. You know, I believe here he's talking about quality of his descendants, not the quantity. You know, they will be like the heavenly host. He you know, warned humanity about being deceived by this heavenly host in Deuteronomy. You know, it's chapter 4, verse 19. Beware, lest you raise your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, and stars, all the host of heaven, you will be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. So with all this talk of stars... We can also need to keep in the back of our mind it's talking about angelic beings also mm -hmm. well who was it that we talked to that said that um that uh or maybe it was maybe it was something that heiser said was that there's always there's always at least two interpretations of everything two meanings behind everything yeah at least when he's talking about jesus parables yeah. yes there's and, but i mean i think that that goes so much deeper than that oh yeah i always. mean there's so much through scripture that I think, and, and that's why I believe that when we read our Bibles, that's how God talks to us a lot of times. And what I read out of the same exact verse you read might be something totally different because that's how God relates to you. Because there's more meanings than, than just the one at face value. But you have to read, you have to take the time to look into it so you can hear it for yourself. You can see it for yourself. Side note. Um, second deacon. Or we talked about. I'm sorry, we already jumped into the centaur. But I think it's interesting. His uh, the Hebrew name is uh, Beza, which means. And I apologize for any just a terrible pronunciations of any of these words because it's going to happen. I apologize. We're Southerners. We can barely speak English. <laughs> He's not. Yeah. So I have no excuse. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying I might to help say, him out here. I might say A a few times because of where I'm from. Don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> but uh, that Beza means the despised one. And I think that's interesting, too, because if you look at Isaiah 53.3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. So we're t going along. You see the, the beginning there, how things have, you see that um, Jesus, you know, as he gets old, I mean, granted, the first 30 years of his life, we don't see 
you know, you don't hear much about Jesus. He's growing. He's, I'm sure his, his walk with God is way beyond anything we could imagine because, you know, he was God. But you see this, this change, at, you know, when he goes into his, his uh, 30th year and, and his last three years of his life when he begins teaching, he's immediately under persecution, right? He's immediately despised and by a lot by the Jews, because that's who initially he goes to. Um, a lot of the Romans weren't a huge fan at the time, too, but they were more because of uprisings and things of that nature. But the Jews despised him. You know, his own people, the one that he had been originally prophesied to go to. So um, you see that there. Uh, I think it's the head of the centaurs, the, the very head centaur was Sherion, um, or Sharon. He was known for uh, teaching, medicine, and prophecy, which, that sound familiar? Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, he was thought to be immortal, but voluntarily, voluntarily gave up his immortality by dying and transferring his immortality to Prometheus. So think about that. He, he gave up his immortality and died so someone else could live. Sounds familiar. It, I was just going to say, this is kind of ringing a bell. That's where this Jesus guy got this all from. <laughs> <laughs> like I said before, guys, please don't break my bones. Yeah. I know you're crucifying me. Yeah. But if you break my bones, I have did it all for nothing. <laughs> please don't. It's just amazing how that all falls into place. I'll put money in your 401ks. Just don't just break my bones. I'll put five denarii. Yeah. <laughs> um, we look at the, the last deacon of that house is uh, Boutez, or, or I would assume that's how it's pronounced. Or, but uh, it's depicted as a man moving quickly forward with a spear and a, stickle, uh, a sickle. Uh, Egyptians called him Samat, uh, meaning the one who rules, subdues, and governs. And actually, it's kind of interesting that that Boutez comes from the root word bow, which actually means to come. So, you know. Who's to come to rule and govern. That, exactly. So I find that interesting. And I think that's really cool. We're seeing that first part of the virgin. And you're seeing that we're seeing Jesus, you know, he's coming to the earth, right? He's here, born of the virgin. Um, ends up going through some things, uh, 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 getting ridiculed obviously and then um you know we're seeing that this idea of someone who's going to give up their immortality you know give their life for another so we're seeing a, a, a pattern here we're seeing the story unfold i think it's so important to see how that story unfolds as we go through this because it shows that zodiac and the original intent of the zodiac was to show this story was to give them hope and I don't think it's any coincidence that, that God would always, when he's talking about the covenant with Abraham, would say, your descendants will be as many as the stars of the sky, right? He, he always had these profound things, always looking to the stars, and each one had a name. I just think it's so amazing that all this stuff just keeps falling back into the same, uh, uh, I guess, wheelhouse. Uh, the next uh, part of the Zodiac, and if we need to speed it up, tell me, because I know this is going to be... But Libra, which is uh, the scales, right? Um, this kind of refers to the price 
the required price to be paid, the um, really showing Christ as our redeemer, right? So after all these things that, that Christ the goes cancellation. through. Yeah, you know, price for sin, everything. So we have a couple of verses um, that we see, like the one in Daniel 5.27 is actually talking about the, the King Belshazzar's uh, a dream he's interpreting, and it says you've been weighed and the balance found wanting. So you see the idea of the scale is like, oh, you didn't measure up. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to make it. Well, even in the Egyptian afterlife, you know, they had stories that, you know, once you entered the afterlife, there was a, a deity there with a set of scales, mm -hmm. and you had to take your heart and lay it on the scale and weigh it against a feather. It had to be lighter than a feather, you know, pure. To, to enter their paradise. So, I mean, yeah, you see that stuff a lot. And culture, you just see that cultural similarities across the... And we were talking about that original, like that oldest planisphere when we talk about the Zodiac being an Egyptian one at that, too. So we're seeing a lot of those same similarities. Um, uh, Proverbs 16.11, adjust balance and scales are the Lord's. All weights in the bag are his work. Revelation 6, 5, and this is kind of uh, uh, foreboding and a sign of things to come a little bit, but when he opened the third seal, I heard a living creature say, Come, I looked, and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. So that coming, that, that scales, uh, the, the part of this, the Libra, what we're talking about is the scales saying that, we need to measure up to get to heaven, to be redeemed. But we don't unless Jesus goes through and pays the ultimate price, right? Those scales at the end are scales for those people that didn't measure up, meaning that they were not saved. And, and also for um, the rest of those who are already condemned when we talk about the fallen angels and the ones that are in Tartarus and things like that now. So there's this... They're coming at the end, and it's the ultimate judgment. That's what that's talking about. We'll actually get to that later. Which this might end up being like a two- or three-parter, but uh, <laughs> before we get there, I'll give you like a little teaser. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to insure your home and auto with the Better Insurance Agency. So even if you don't know your tabernacle from your tallis, we will still help you shop through multiple insurance companies to find the right coverage and low price. Whether it is home or auto, life insurance, or insurance for your small business, the Better Insurance Agency will be there to help. After all, a better future is built on a firm foundation. Find out more and visit us at www.thebetterquote.com today. Available only in Virginia and Tennessee. I, I believe where it talks about the four living creatures is talking about the constellations. And I think, because it says, I heard one of the four living creatures say, come. I interpret that, and I got like a whole little thing mapped out where I believe that there's signs in the heaven, the four living creatures, the constellations, and how they correlate with the riders. Hmm. That, well, like you said, this will be a just a little tease. This will be a twelve or thirteen parter, and <laughs> that'll be about that'll be what about a twelve tw parter? Be yeah. about ten. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, looking at the first deacon of Libra, 
is the crux or the Southern Cross, which some people have heard of that, that constellation before. And there's actually some pretty interesting things about this. But in Hebrew, this deacon is called Adam, which means cutting off. So what happens? Think about Christ when he's on the cross. Well, right? even the sun, we was talking about the solstice. You know, we talked about that like when we first started. Uh, me and Chad was talking about it. You know, when you look at that, the sun, uh, it descends, or it ascends uh, the entire year. But when the equinox comes, it descends to the crux. So the sun goes to the cross, to the cross. and then it goes below the hemisphere there, and it sits for three days. It doesn't move for three days. And then it starts its upward ascent again. So three days in the grave, goes to the cross, three days in the grave, and then it starts its ascent again. Isn't it amazing how, how all those things just randomly appeared up there and, you know, it's just a big bang. It's boom, just, just a coincidence. coincidence. Just a coincidence. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the cutting off, like you said, and, that, and that's really, that's cool. I, I remember you talking about that before. I think that's pretty amazing. But I think about Christ on the cross when he says, my father, why have you forsaken me? He was cut off from, from God, God right? for us. Because, because he took all of our sins. Yes. And so, so God couldn't look upon him. A little later, we'll see kind of that that uh, correlation to us. But I, I always took this, and you know, we, we hear about the sheep and the goats, right? We always hear about the separation of the sheep and the goats. You know, think of the sheep as the the ones that, that are, have been made pure and the goats are the ones that are still wanting or, or are the, the still the considered sinners, you know, at that point. It goes back to Azazel, too, the escape goat. The, the esca- All escape the sin goat. was cast on it. They were considered, you know, unpure and filthy. Well, his name even meant goat of God is what it meant. So it's kind of interesting. But the, the thing, when you look at that, I always thought of Christ, that cutting off, being that he became the goat the ram later in place of us. So he becomes that at that point, which happens to be Aries later when we talk about it, but he takes on the goat so that we can be his sheep. So he took that, dies with it, and then all of a sudden we are his sheep in that afterwards. And it, it's just, it's... It's beautiful. It's, it's unbelievable. But, um... I would say get... But anyway, oh, basically, said, basically, when he did that, what did he do? He balanced the scales for us. And that's what that Libra, he balanced the scales for us. Um, interesting fact about this constellation is that it would have been visible in Jerusalem up until about the time Christ died on the cross. It has not been seen there since. It's now only visible at more southern latitudes. So at that time, that would have been visible in Jerusalem. But because of the way that things move, planetary alignment moves, you can't see that in Jerusalem anymore. And they say not since. If you look at how things have moved, not since the death of Christ have you been able to see the Southern Cross over Jerusalem or from Jerusalem. And I find interesting. that pretty interesting. But um, second deacon is um, Victima or the victim, which I think this is fairly self-explanatory. But in Hebrew, Aseda, which means to be slain. So I don't have a lot on that one. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. And as a Christian, you know Jesus was slain for us. Jesus was killed on a cross 
he he died the ult paid the ultimate price. Well, he didn't just just die. He died. You know, even the Romans, we can't find any fault mm-hmm. in him. So it wasn't that he was sent to death. It was because of our sins, and it just had to play out that way. It did. So he was practically a victim to the Jewish mm-hmm. synagogues, Pharisees, all the people wanting him dead because he didn't deserve it, so therefore he's a victim. And Revelation even says it outright. It says, you know, when he entered into the throne room, it said, you know, here appears a, a lamb. A lamb appears uh, that it was slain. Right. And that it, that one kind of gives me chills a little bit when you think about it and you see this playing out in the sky and you think about what. It is crazy. You, you know what? We learn about that from a little kid from so Sunday I'm, school. Yeah. Right? You, you hear about Jesus dying on the cross for you, and it becomes so, like, Yep, you he hear did. It, you hear it so much the the volume you desensitize a little bit. Yeah, it, think think about this that that Ben that you cared about me so much that somebody came in here and said that one of us had to die and you're like take me. Yeah, think about that. That's what I mean. That's the I mean, and someone who loves you so much that they do anything for you to the point where they not only did he give his life but the father gave his son's life as well. So it's the right. sa- you know you see that play out and it's just when you really think about what was given and what was what's given to us and the fact that so many people squander that i've been one many times in the past and i'm trying my darndest not to do that but you know we 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 all sin we all fall short but those scales are being balanced right now for us god doesn't see that sin anymore god doesn't see those things because we're not that goat anymore we're the sheep now right god's taken us He's cleansed us. We're white as snow in his eyes, even though we're still sinners. Was that Romans 5, 8? Well, God shows his the... love for us in this. Well, we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Yep. It just blows me away. Um, anyway, third deacon, the corona or the crown, right? So kind of interesting. Think about this. First of all, we saw the cross. Then we saw he's a victim on the cross. And then we see a crown. He's the king. He's the king. Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown is there, and it's, there's, there's, there's crowns for us. It tells us there's crowns yeah, for us in heaven. That's what I was about for the things that we do. You'll get a crown, and then what do you do with the crown? you lay him at Jesus's feet 100%. So 100%. I just you see once again this That that see I I didn't know any of this stuff. That's this this is wild. new this is new to me, but it just blows me away and and, and it's I should have listened to Justin a long time ago. Uh, well, see, my thing is I remember bits and pieces of it, but it's been so long since I've read it. I need yeah. to reread it. But I wonder if they got on audiobook. <laughs> I, I don't know. Steven I, will read it to you. I'll, I'll, he'll put me asleep. I will. We'll get Max. Max has got his good voice. A good narrator. Yeah, we need we need someone like Max with Thunder who just keeps you awake. 
Next uh, constellation, jumping on to our third one of the 12. <laughs> it's only been, we are gonna, we're going to run out of batteries at some point. But the next one is Scorpio or the Scorpion, which. Death, where is thy sting? Yes. The mortal conflict um, and, and Christ the sufferer, right? This is, this is kind of the, 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 what we see play out in this. In, 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 Arab in, in Arabic and Syrian, El Karab means a scorpion, but also means conflict or war. Um, and even in ancient times, that t it wasn't always a scorpion. It was a was a crab. That's cancer. A cancer. Okay, I knew that's one coming. Changed, yeah. That's coming. Actually, what the ones that have changed the most from what I, what I read were when we talk about Ursa Major and Ursa Minor. They're depicted as bears now, but if you go back. In antiquity, there's never there's never any bears in the the older planispheres, the older zodiacs. You don't see a bear. And which one used to be an eagle, and it it got changed. Um, we'll get that to that. That was one of the the faces too. Yeah. We'll get to that. There's um there's one that's the face of a hawk. Um, I'm trying to remember. Well, we'll get yeah. there. I have this is, this is like crunching for finals, trying to get all this in, and then trying to remember what was where. That's so why I had to do it, write it, and then retype it just so I could try to actually have some semblance of where to go on this. But He can't read his own writing. I cannot read my own writing. But um, uh, this, is, this is showing and signifies the battle you know, of, of Christ against the forces of darkness. And uh, the first deacon um, is <laughs> Ophucus. Ophucus, something like that. It's, it's very hard to... Uh, uh, but he's the the serpent holder, which I thought was kind of interesting. So when we look at this, it, it shows a man in conflict with the serpent, and actually, that Ophuculus, Fucus, sorry, I know I'm butchering this, is from the Greek. Um, I'm sorry, it's from uh, it's from I think that's from the Latin. But in Greek, it was Asclepius, right? And we remember talking about Asclepius. And the, the, the rod of Asclepius uh, being the healer, um, like a, like the almost like the Asherah pole type stuff when we see this. But you see it on like the medical uh, uh, emblem. You see that staff with the snakes on it, right? That's the staff of Asclepius. Uh, but Asclepius was all called the physician, uh, desired one, the health giver, the universal remedy. Huh. That's interesting. I know a great physician. Yes. I think the universal remedy is probably the best descriptor that I could ever give to Jesus. Like, if you could t call him one thing, I mean, they have all the names, you know, Prince of Peace, all these, the Bible, the universal remedy. You just can't go wrong there. That's. It will cure you of all your ails. And then some. Of all your gods. <laughs> there you ails. Because <laughs> ails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I knew that's where you were going with that. that uh, well, I thought about I it the punch after out. I said it, but I was like, I'll just leave that. And, and then there you go. That's a T-shirt. That is That should be a T-shirt. Cure you all your ails. Yeah. And have a cross. <laughs> that would be good. That would be a good T-shirt. We're working on it. We are. It's close. Continuing on with Asclepius, you see also that he suffered death from the lightning of heaven, but was raised to life. 
So we're once again seeing this. And I was wondering, and this is just my own side note, when it talks about the lightning of heaven, I'm wondering if this, pro this could have been a prophecy more of the, um, the tearing of the curtain in the Holy of Holies as Christ died, right? The lightning coming down and splitting the curtain. Are we seeing that separation, that, that, the death of that separation between us and God? And I'm not sure. That's just a thought I had on my own while I was looking through this, but just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, because it, you don't, you don't specifically say what tore the curtain. It just says that it tore an earthquake was, happened, yeah, well, and then it was torn into it tore from the it was top tore. to the bottom. Yeah, and it wasn't just a little thin fabric like your t-shirt. They say it was like four to whatever inches thick. Yeah, like a phone book. Yeah. Well, it would have been, I mean, you're talking you're about... Not, you're not... guarding. A human's not going to rip it. You're guarding the most sacred place yeah. of the religion of that day. I mean, it's not guarding, I should say, but enclosing so no one could get in there, no one right. could see. I mean, that's the whole point. Um, it wasn't easily ripped is what I was getting at. It wasn't. <laughs> Next deacon is serpents, the serpent. Once again, we're seeing the serpent. Um, and, and Asclepius is holding the serpent. Uh, kind of interesting. The third deacon, Hercules, the mighty one. Hercules was called the what? The Gabor, right? The mighty one, which is what, you know, you know we've talked about that a whole bunch with um, talking about Nimrod, Nimrod. And, and, and a lot of the Genesis 6, kind of the, the fallout, uh, the Gaborum. But, when we talk about Hercules being called the Gabor or the Mighty One, we see Isaiah 9-6, kind of interesting. For And this is probably the second most famous you know, Bible verse that I think in the Bible besides uh, John 3-16. But for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and what? Mighty God. Think that we see all the traits of these these um these this greek change of the zodiac you're seeing all the traits of jesus still come through you're seeing that through hercules you're seeing that through um asclepius you're seeing that through you know the the, the universal remedy right you're still seeing those same things i think that just once again keeps falling right in place right in line anything on that um Next, number four, Sagittarius. Uh, the final triumph, um, Christ the Conqueror. And these are some of the titles that are taken from one of those books of, of the individual, how they view from the, the, um, the, from the Christian perspective and the original Zodiac, where, like how they see this stuff fall in line. So I think it's kind of interesting because it kind of gives you that picture again of what we're looking at through that section of the Zodiac, through that house and with all the deacons. So um, Sagittarius is portrayed as a centaur, right? We see centaur again. Um, it actually means archer. Uh, in Akkadian, it was called, um, he was called Nunki, which actually means prince of earth. Kind of interesting. He is aiming his arrow at Antares, the heart of the Scorpio of, uh, of Scorpio. Uh, first deacon is Lyra, the harp, which actually means praise for the conqueror. <laughs> and what did he conquer? He conquered death. 
and what did the scorpion represent? You know, uh, death. Where is thy sting? Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's taking and out death. Then he's the arrow death. shoot at its heart, which mm-hmm. would be your your kill shot. Yeah. It just it just keeps lining up. Um, it's actually interesting that the the star in this constellation Vega, which is a, a fairly if you know a, l- a little bit about um, astronomy at all, it's a fairly f- popular star, pretty famous star, not popular, famous star, but it actually means he shall be exalted. So, And he'll be exalted by conquering death. It, the puzzle pieces keep falling into place. Uh, the second deacon, Ara, or the altar. So He'll be laid up on the altar. As a sacrifice, but it actually and it and it actually and it means consuming fire prepared for his enemies, which I thought was interesting because it's interesting because they show um, it, it is seen as the altar upside down pouring uh, a fire into Tartarus. So pouring fire on the fallen angels, the ones he's ju- the judgment, right. the wrath of judgment coming down. Pouring his, his flames upon the, the, the ones the that new are hell. locked away in Tartarus. The new hell, kind of. Yeah. Uh, third deacon is Draco the dragon. Um, you can kind of see where this is. Uh, it's kind of interesting that his head is actually under the foot of Hercules. Trying to bite at the heel, maybe? Uh, and maybe crushing maybe that crushing skull. His head. <laughs> exactly. Just right, right after... Pouring the flames out on the fallen. Yes. It just You'll ke- see him again in Revelation 12, I do believe. I do believe. Huh. Well, maybe right here. Well, I got Genesis 3.15, and actually, just like I said that, we just said that. But then Revelation 12, 9 through 11. It's kind of interesting. I had that. Do you have that verse there, too? Oh, I'm sure I do. What, what is it about? Is That's, that the... And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Just. Number five. Capricorn, the goat. Oh, sorry. Capricorn. What'd you say? Oh, we're not to you yet either. You're coming up here shortly. No, mine ain't too good. It's a half goat, half fish swimming it, through the abyss. What the crap? Yeah. It's actually referred to as a sea goat a lot yeah. of times. A sea goat? A yeah. sea goat. So, uh, uh, is that what you're going to name your car? Sea goat. My car is Cash. Johnny Cash, the man in black. Uh, I like sea goat better. The picture. Sea goat. I think we should name one of your Jeeps the sea goat. No, no. <laughs> Actually, we could name your your uh, Jeep's Gemini because it means the twins. Yeah. Well, eh. Yeah. Eh. No. All right. Never mind. 
All right. Well, the, some of the stars in this constellation include El Gadai, which is means the kid. Uh, Deneb El Gadai, with a sacrifice cometh, or Ma Asad, meaning the slaying. Just think some of those things kind of pop out as uh, relevant. Um, if you go to Leviticus ten sixteen through seventeen, it talks about the the goat that's required for the sin offering. So, you know. When, we talked, when I talked about that a little bit earlier, talking about how goats are sinful people, God took on the goat as our sin offering. He took on that place so that we could be washed clean and be his lambs, right, when he, when he brings us to heaven. When he, at our, at the end, even right now, we're, we're our sin, we're as clean as snow. We're, we're part of God's flock, right? So I just think that that's really interesting that it talks about the... the now Moses, Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. It just There's a lot there, and there's some other stuff that happens along the way because Leviticus is pretty interesting but can be mildly draining. I wouldn't recommend starting in that book if you're reading the Bible, uh, starting off. Um, first deacon is uh, Sajida, which is the arrow. The archer who shot, and this is where we're getting in, I think, to what you're talking about. The archer who shot the arrow is not seen. It's just the arrow. However, the second deacon is Aquila, the eagle. This, I'm not sure if this is the one you were talking about with your, with your uh, idea here, but they show him as pierced, wounded, and fallen, struck by the, by the arrow. The brightest star in the constellation is El Ter, which means the wounding. In the tail of the eagle is the star El-Okab, which means wounded in the heel. <laughs> Could you be a little more specific, please? Achilles? Yeah, it just blows <laughs> me away. Um, third deacon is Delphinius, which is the dolphin, um, depicted as a dolphin leaping up. Interesting that he's... This is after death. We're talking about he's leaping up from the abyss after claiming victory in Sheol, right? So he's coming up out of the water. Kind of interesting that that all kind of lines up exactly where it should. 1 Corinthians 5, 3, and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures, that he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So you're seeing him come up out of that abyss after that three days. That same thing that we have talked about before, and, and you just talked about with the Southern Cross and that. The, the uh, sign of Jonah. Jonah devoured by a whale or sea creature taken into the waters, the abyss, for three, for days, three days and was vomited out. Exactly. And even Jesus said, the only sign I give you is the sign of Jonah. He just... It, the recurring themes and then the places and I, I'm sorry I'm beating a dead horse but I just Which keep fish is it a seahorse dolphins <laughs> you know it was a sea goat it was a <laughs> sea, sea goat, goat. <laughs> beating a dead goat here <laughs> a dead sea goat <laughs> dead sea goat uh, number six we're almost halfway through <laughs> number six is Aquarius which you were talking about that earlier a lot of people believe that we are uh in the beginning of the age of Aquarius that we talked about before. Yeah, Timothy Alberino talked about that in our episode. And um, 
that wouldn't be the first time a lot of us have heard that. There's even songs about the age of Aquarius. And, things and to me, it makes sense because, I mean, there's a, a lot of people seeking truth now. There's a lot of people that are, uh, you know, studying and wanting to know more and curious. And it's just, uh, it's, it seems like a, a period of, of growth for knowledge and uh, growing closer to Christ. And it all goes back to the, you know, the quote where Jesus or yeah, it was Jesus. And was it in Revelation? He said, I'll pour out my my spirit upon all flesh in the end of days. I do believe I have that. Um, I have not exactly at that, but Revelation 22, 17 says, the, the spirit and the bride say, come and let who hear, uh, who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come and let who desires take the water of life without price. So, and I'm sure it says probably. Yeah, I can't remember where that is, but it, yeah, it says. I remember in, in the end of days, the I, will, I will pour out my spirit upon all yeah. flesh, mm-hmm. and knowledge will increase, and the yeah. old yeah, man yeah, will yeah, dream yeah. dreams, yeah. and the young man will have visions. And I do think, and that's what you're going to that effect. Exactly what you're saying is the the Aquarius is the water pourer. Yeah, right? He's pouring out water. Pouring out water. Ain't that something? It is, and it's kind of interesting how Christ is often referred to as the living water yeah right we see that um time and time again um and we see john 7 37 through 39 on the last day of the feast the great day jesus stood up and cried out if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water and now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive yet i'm sorry for as yet the spirit had not been given because jesus was not yet glorified so that holy spirit didn't come till after his death and resurrection his glorification through the resurrection so um you're, you're seeing this living water that you said that i said that revelation um 22 17 but i think this it's amazing because you know it's talking about the the holy spirit being the living water that's poured out on us which you know you talk about the first pentecost we've talked about that we've gone into great detail about that but the uh we've beat that dead seahorse sea goat oh goat yeah (laughs) (laughs) my bad (laughs) i had a feeling that was coming (laughs) my bad oh Wow. I I think it's super important to understand that since we have the Holy Spirit from that time, we have that living water inside of us. That's in all of us now. And, and you know, it's crazy to think, you know, you look back at Abraham and how how highly God, you know, thought of Abraham. Favored him. And Isaac and Jacob and all those, the, the Israelites down through. And that not until after Jesus does he give the Holy Spirit to everybody. So, and, and then even Gentiles, and we see that right away in Acts when we're doing our Acts Bible study. You're seeing these, the, the Gentiles getting the Holy Spirit, and it's and it's the Jew, the, the the Jewish believers were blown away, like they can't have that. No, that's for even us. Even getting angry and chasing them around town to town and harassing them, starting up riots and stuff. I mean, they were Stoned they were jealous. And maybe if you listen to the Acts Bible study, you get well, a little more. We're, of we're that. about there. Yeah, we're, yeah. Um. First deacon is P- 
Piscis australis, which is the southern fish. In Greek mythology, this was Aphrodite transformed into a fish to try to escape Typhon. Typhon being chaos. Yeah, chaos monster. Right? We're seeing chaos, you know, the, the, the serpent. Uh, you know, you see these things that all kind of refer to the, 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 you know, the, the great evil that's upon us. Like you talk about the, you know, it says it talks about Satan. It talks about these things. And we've had definite discussions of who yeah. Satan is and, and what that's Satan represents. Of, of evil. Yes. You can take, you know, basically like, like Hydra, you know, Hydra in the Marvel and stuff. It was the, uh, the evil organization, but you had all these different dudes and branches that just had tentacles that just reached out, you know, so like how, all the different, and I like how Tim Stebbin talked about in his book, he said, that's how he's seen Leviathan. Leviathan was like Hydra. It was, it's an organization. You can take Satan, you can take Shimzaza, you can take the, the fallen angels, uh, Apollyon. The Apollyon, all the uh, Deuteronomy 32 sons of God that rebelled and ruled unjustly. You can just pile all them into one entity or group, and that's Leviathan, the agents of chaos. Mm -hmm. I like that. I never had seen it that's that way before. Makes sense, and you can still see it today. Oh yes. In in that you know that view of things. So we see. Like you said, the the but the um, the idea was the Greek mythology was the Aphrodite trying to escape Typhon. But from a Christian perspective, a fish. What does a fish represent? How many people right. have a fish the on the back of their car? Their symbol of secrecy. The the little Christian fish, right. though. You see on the back. How many people have that? I mean, you see it all the time. Little sticker or that little chrome emblem that people right. stick on the back of their cars. But a fish represents a believer in Christ. That's we're those fish. And in this exact story, this is talking about us, the fish, trying to escape chaos. Yeah. Well, he told them, you know, he got the apostles who were fishermen and he told, you know, Peter, James and John, he said, you know, come with me. I'll make you fishermen of men. men. Yeah. Oh, yes. Second deacon is, pe is the Pegasus, the winged horse. Um, the Pegasus, it was interesting, that was a divine messenger who brought joy to all he met. Uh, third deacon, uh, Cygnus, which is the swan. One of the stars is Deneb, meaning uh, the Lord or judge to come. Another, Azel, meaning he who goes and returns quickly. And the Fafage was another one that meant the glorious shining forth. So you're seeing, it's just amazing that all these stars, the meanings that are behind them from antiquity, all are phenomenal descriptors of our Lord, of, our, of Jesus, of, of God. They're phenomenal descriptors, talking about the, the, the creator of our universe. So we see this uh, just over and over and over again. Um, and sticking to the fish theme when we go to uh, the seventh sign is the Pisces right seventh sign of the of the zodiac is Pisces which are the fishes right it shows well, is it really fishes 
or is it like he, deer? He, like you know, you don't have deer. Just fish. No, well, this is important, and I put fishes. I mean, you can say it actually either way. Technically, it is. Uh, you can say that both ways. Okay, because me and my kids had this debate the other day, and we didn't settle it. So. It is. I mean, if I say ironic. I went and caught <laughs> a bunch of fish today, or I caught a fish today, you could say it's plural or singular. But fish is. I don't think is a. I think that's still a. A, a actual okay term, but I always well, think of my papa. He'd always pop his teeth out and say, "I'd have him say funny words because he sounded funny without his teeth." Right. And fish was one of them. He's fish, fish. So this is exactly what you just said. The mark, not just said, but <laughs> but this is exactly what you said. There's a, a toothless ago. man up there. No. <laughs> I can't tell you for sure, Poor but Grandpa. Mark, Mark one seventeen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he's talking to Simon and Andrew at the time, right? So think about that. Fishers of men showing us that we're the fish that, that have been caught, that are, that are in God's net, in his, his safety, in his arms. And when we get to cancer, the crab, you'll, we'll talk about that even more. But it's pretty amazing. You see this, that we're those fish. From a Christian standpoint, the fish, it, it's the symbol of the church, right? It's, it's all of us together. When we talk about the fishes or the fish, it's the church as a collective group when we're all together. So um, in, Egypt, in Egyptian, it was known as Picot Orion or Pisces Horai, which meant the fish of him who comes. So interesting, again, we're seeing it in other cultures and other languages, meaning the same thing that fits into our Christian perspective the same way. It, it just continues to prove what we already know to be true. And I always see stuff like that, too, is uh, like a preconditioning of the truth to come. That way it would be better accepted, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like Paul when he talked to the people in Athens. You know, he didn't come up and be like, you know, you guys are wrong, you bunch of heathens, and this is the truth. No, he was like, okay, I see it's your religious people. You, yeah, you got all these, all these gods yeah. here, you know, but I see one over here in the corner that's uh, to the unknown God. I, I know who that God is. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about that guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, so then people were already kind of preconditioned. Right. You know, they got hints of the truth. So he was like, okay, yeah, you got part of that figured out. Let me help you out with the rest of it, you know. And I think God is into that game like Jonah. Jonah was puked up on the beaches of Nineveh. Nineveh, they worshipped Dagon. Well, if you look at pictures of Dagon, he's half fish, half man, and even some depictions have a whole fish with its mouth open and him come his upper torso hanging out the top. So they worshipped this half man, half fish god for how many centuries, and all of a sudden this guy gets vomited up on their beach by a fish. They're like, oh, this is Dagon. You know, or at the very least, this guy's been sent by Dagon. Let's listen to what he's got to say. Yeah. You know, that, I always look at little stuff like that as yeah. like preconditioning to receive the truth. But I think that's important. I think that's Well, you have to most of the time or else, ah, whatever, dude. And you're off, you know, they don't even give you the time of day. Yes. So That's what I mean. We have yeah. to be that same way when we approach someone. Right. With the truth. You can't find, just sit here. Find. How, how many people... How many people are turned off by the church or turned off by Christianity because of the, uh, the Christian's approach? Right. Right. They think that, that Christianity as a whole hates them because of their lifestyle or because of something they chose to do or they, they send a certain way. 
when that is not the case. Yeah. George Cornell. Yeah, exactly. We said that a million times saying that you, you can judge a sin, but you can't judge a sinner. That's not your job. Right. In the end, they have to answer to God. They don't have to answer to you. So in the end, we don't go through and condemn people for their lifestyle. What we do is we show them the best that we can through our, our, what God's given us. And, a better and life. Show them a better. Show them what God's right. given us. Show them what, all the gifts that God can give them. So I think it's important. I think that's a great point that you say that, that God has always worked that way. And I think it's a model, especially when you look through Acts. I, I firmly believe that when we go through Acts, that that's a model of how we're supposed to be as Christians. So find, find, find them on their ground to where they're comfortable. Yeah. And then speak truth yeah mm-hmm. so applying a loving this way application yes. because if you just go in there hey stupid yeah you done lost them yeah which applying it to this application for the people that are into astrology and the people that are into studying the stars and you know those ancient people and stuff you could easily say you know well hey man well look at this you know just like steve's doing oh, yeah. here, going through it and telling yeah. the story of christ and start like they're start already familiar with, with hey, it yeah you know all this stuff but I found out over here in Egypt the the oldest known it's depicted starting here instead of here and if you start out here look what it says and and you've got their attention cuz you're like oh okay well that goes back to what we said we talked about that before but that first Peter 3:15 you know always be able to defend the hope that you have but do so with gentleness and respect yeah right so even when you know when we bring up an idea or a thing i i don't want you to sit there and look at me and say he's got it figured out or or that he thinks he has it figured out and he's a moron i don't you can say it i really don't care but my thing is i want to spark some curiosity in you so that you look into it for yourself that's the whole point don't just trust what i say 100 percent I think that's the problem with the majority of America today is they sit there, they turn on the TV, all of a sudden they're like, oh, yep, that's the, that's the facts. That's what they said. So, they ain't going to lie to me. And that's the problem is that their next-door neighbor come up and tell them something, they'll call them a liar. Yeah. They look at somebody on TV they don't know, and they'll be like, well, they're on TV, so they're, they're telling the truth. This is, this is our society we live in and how easily people are swayed. Facebook flagged that as false, so it's not true. Uh, yeah, fact check. Yeah, fact check. Fact By check. By ind- independent, independent fact, fact check. <laughs> well, I hey, mean, it's just poppycock, <laughs> as the by. British say, yes. poppycock. Sorry, side sidetrack. No, go ahead. Say your say back your, to the seventh constellation. Earth. Let's back it are up we here. The, are we uh, at the seventh? You can. No, that see, it worked for you. You can use it. I'll give you permission. I appreciate it. You're welcome. We're back. We're back. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're going to jump uh, to the first deacon of Pisces, which actually is, um, it's called the band. Uh, the band's actually holding the, the fish uh, together, right? So you see. Christ is the band. But the, ba- the band actually connects Pisces to Cetus, the sea monster. And to Aries the ram. So you can see the fish are locked in between chaos. They're getting pulled both directions. Yes. 
Choose ye this day who you will serve. But chaos, and then Aries, who, you know, if we if we go through our, uh, and think of our Marvel and all this stuff, you know, they'll tell you Aries the god of war, right? You know, and you'll see the Aries is this, this, and we'll talk about Aries here in a couple minutes, but Aries is this, you know, angry, uh, uh, fierce god of war. But we're looking at here, and it's a struggle between the ram, the one who died for us on the cross, and it's the the Cetus, the sea monster, who we could put in that same bucket of Leviathan, or um, or you know a, a Hydra, however you want to put it, that we're caught in the middle of that. Exactly what you just said. It makes a ton of sense. So, second deacon is Andromeda, the chained woman. And I think it's interesting because what are we called as a church? The bride. We're the bride of Christ, right? We're chained up with our sin. We're chained up with our iniquity. And it, it, it's, it takes Christ to break us free. He's a chain breaker. He is a chain breaker. Third deacon is Cephas, the crown king. The risen Christ on his throne in heaven. And actually, again, an Egyptian, Perkuher is, is what that's called. And it actually means in Egyptian, the one who cometh to rule. I can't make this up. <laughs> As promised, number eight, Aries. Right? We just talked about that. I didn't Kratos kill him. Oh, yeah, he's gone. Okay. We can stop here. That was a great video game. You know... What? God oh, of War. I never played nah, that. I never though. played it. Yeah, he goes through and kills them all. One by one. All the gods? Yes. Okay. Lowercase g gods. <laughs> so Ares, we say the, the ram, um, but uh, this is... This is, uh, you know, the, the crowned Christ, the crowned lamb, when we talk about this. So we think about the lamb who was slain on the cross, and we go to that vision that John has, right? When he talks, when Revelation, when he talks about uh, up in heaven and everybody's just, just so downtrodden because no one's there that can open the scroll. And yet, what happens? The slain lamb the appears. The slain lamb, bloody with everything, comes in, and everybody celebrates because he alone is worthy. So Ares, that dies on the cross for us, it shows this right here. And it says, um, I, I love this one too, in John one twenty nine. And we're talking about John the Baptist, not, not that wrote the book, but who he, who's who was saying this the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said behold the lamb, lamb of god. god who takes away the sin of the world that's pretty crazy that is and it was before he even started his ministry too wasn't it mhm and then and that was it was basically the the kickoff yeah that was the kickoff yeah cuz John was the sent Messenger yeah. was that sent before him to, to clear the way to for clear the coming the way. Christ. Yep. The voice in the wilderness. 
Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and might, and honor and glory and blessing. In Hebrew, Ares is Talah, which means <laughs> the lamb sent forth. I mean, come on. Yeah, okay. Just unreal. First deacon Cassiopeia, which is the enthroned woman. So the last woman we saw, she was chained up. Now she's enthroned. She's exalted. She's exalted. Okay. The church is exalted because of everything God has done for him. She's, she's a picture of church, the bride of Christ that has been exalted at that point. Next you see the second deacon, and we talked about him a little bit before, but Cetus the sea monster. It's actually kind of interesting that this constellation actually takes up more space in the sky than any other constellation, showing how great chaos is. How, how that Day is our most right. Yes, it's our most formidable enemy. Isn't that unbelievable? It is. It's just. It's a good analogy of how we let chaos rule our lives, and and we, uh, you know, we are more of the world than we are of God at most times. I mean, it just shows that's that's that picture in the sky. Um, it's actually kind of interesting that the when we talk about Cetus the Sea Monster, one of the brightest stars is Mira, which actually means rebel. Satan rebelled, right? The rebel in the midst of chaos. In the midst of chaos. The brightest star is called Menkur, which means the bound or chained enemy. Shimyaza? Sounds kind of Tartarus-y. The uh, third deacon in this is Perseus, which I'm sure you've heard of Perseus before. They've made movies of the, I can't remember what that was even Perseus called. Perseus Jackson. Percy Jackson or whatever. Yeah, all those he was movies. the kid or whatever. But the breaker. Uh, interesting that Perseus was the son of a divine father conceived by a shower of gold descending on uh, Danae. He like was the Holy Spirit, huh? That sounds, yeah. He was persecuted. And then for his father, he went to get the head of Medusa, who ironically had serpents all over her head. Huh. I mean, Ain't that something? Even crazier, think about what did, what did that serpent, what did the serpents on her head do? It turned people to stone. Yeah. Hardened their hearts. Ain't that something? I just, it's crazy. Um... Next, we'll jump a little. We'll go to, to number nine, Taurus, the bull. It's the glorious coming. It's Christ the judge, okay? One of the faces of the uh, four living creatures. Mm -hmm. And you see the transition of the lamb who was passive, who took the abuse, who took the persecution, who ended up dying for us. The first appearance. The first appearance. But the cleansing of us, and you see him transition into the bull, the one who is bringing the judgment. In a china shop. In a, <laughs> in a chaos yeah. china shop. Gonna wreck some stuff. <laughs> the chief star in Taurus is 
Aldebaran, which is located right in the bull's eye. The bull's eye. In Arabic, it means captain, leader, or governor. The first deacon is Orion, the glorious one. And we that is probably the like the mighty hunter the mighty hunter but the the three stars you know everybody sees orion's belt and they look at that those three stars are actually called the three kings they're they symbolize the three wise men that were coming to see jesus you know after his birth that's what those three the the three stars called the three kings it's actually means the brilliant or he who cometh forth as light okay all right. Even in ancient cultures, uh, Nimrod tried to uh, deify himself with Orion, saying that you know, he was the mighty hunter, and he was deified and glorified into the heavens, or Gilgamesh, I mean, whatever whatever Dang. label you want to put on the same person. Yeah. Son of a gun. I don't even know where I am anymore. You're oh, at the here bull. we go. I'm back there. I'm back there. In Hebrew, the word for this uh, constellation is chasil, which means strong one or hero. Um, in mythology, Orion was a gift from the gods to humanity. Born of a woman, he went out to slay all the wild beasts. It's, it's funny because it's actually shown, and this is some of my own interpretation here. So that, like I said, this is a lot of this I've took from different books and different resources, stuff Justin gave me, things that I've read. But the... The um, it's interesting that he's shown holding a dead lion. I think that's really interesting because when we're talking about he came to slay the 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 wild beasts, right? We always talk about the lion of Judah, referring to Jesus coming. But what does what does Satan do? Masquerades as an angel of light. He's the wolf in sheep's clothing. He shows himself as a lion. He shows himself as uh, a false lion. Right. It's right there. Yeah. Peter 5, 8. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion who walketh about seeking to devour. And he's that lion Orion is holding. Um, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises him as an angel, disguises himself as an angel of light. Orion, actually, interesting when we talked about this, Job being the oldest book of the Bible, is mentioned twice in Job, and is actually mentioned once in Amos. So we see these constellations being talked about biblically, looking back further behind, you know, further before Christ than we, we are, are away from Christ. Right? Isn't that amazing? I mean, that that to me still just kind of. Um, one star in this, and you're going to laugh, but one star in this is called Rigel, or Rigel. Yeah, Regal. Regal, which means the foot that crusheth. Yeah, crush his Isn't head. that a Buick? It was. There used to be a, Bu- a Buick Regal. <laughs> <laughs> but you see the Gen- Genesis 315 narrative Get again. Get your head out of the transmission. <laughs> Sorry. That was good. Ben's <laughs> uh, the car guy. Just you, know, yeah. you guys both are car guys. I actually am lucky enough. I'm a car enthusiast. I, I like cars. He, he he knows how to fix them and work on them. Some of them. 
I like to tinker on them. But anyways, back it up. Let's back it up. I can change a tire. Maybe. Thank you. I appreciate. Thank you. Um, we could tell some funny stories about how I fixed cars in the past another time, but it would make you laugh. Uh, second Deacon, uh, Aridanus or Aridanus, which is the river of the judge. And pretty interesting here. If we look um, in Greek, that was the fiery river with which threatened to burn up the world. If you go to Daniel 7, 9 through 10, as I looked, th thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, his clothing as white as snow, his hair on his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousands served him. 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I think it talks about a flaming throne in Enoch and in Revelations also. It actually, and Psalms, and that's, this is yeah. Psalms 97, 1 through 3. The Lord reigns. Let the, let the earth rejoice. Let many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness all around him. Righteousness and justice are at the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. N uh, Nahum 1.6. And I, I have to throw in a Nahum reference because you don't hear Nahum referenced very often. It's just not really fair. You know, he needs, okay. his, he needs his props he too. He needs his love. He needs his love. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. Just You see that, that river of fire coming forth, the river of judgment, that flaming judgment. Uh, the third deacon is Ariga, which is the shepherd. Um, he has a, a goat or a lamb in his left arm and two newborn goats in his lap. It's a picture of Christ gathering his children to him, right? You see that some of us are still goats. Some of us are sheep. You know, we're getting to that point. I mean, we we still have that sinful nature. Right. But you also Jews and Gentiles both also. That, that's actually an excellent point. But you just see that, that he's gathering his children to him. And I think that's a really powerful picture. Um Isaiah forty eleven. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and he will gently lead those that are with young. Which pretty much exactly describes that picture. Describes right. that constellation to a T. Um, and it even goes, you're a new Christian, you're a young lamb. He, Holy Spirit helps guide you. Like a, layers upon layers upon layers. And if we went through this and did this all again, it would all be different because we'd find other things and different things that would also point to the same conclusion, at least from my standpoint. And I feel that some of that is discernment that God gives us. I think some of that is the, you know, that it, it talks about some having, you know, spiritual blindness, you know, some having hardened hearts, things of this nature that, that are, um, you know, that block our view from, from certain things 
But um, I think that this is just so important that if you have that biblical foundation and you can look back through this stuff, you can see the connection. You can see that it's there. Number 10. We're getting close. We're only seven hours in. It's all right. All right. They're, they're all still here listening. This one's about you. They're all here listening now. All, so. all three of us? <laughs> no, no, everybody on, on the airwaves. So, yes. Anybody who's still YouTubes. listening, thank you. And on the YouTubers. Uh, Gemini. Here okay. we go. Um, the twins. So, in Acts 28.11, and you brought this up earlier, I do believe, when Paul's talking, well, you talked about the, the unnamed God, but Paul references the, the Latin twins, uh, Castor and Pollux, actually, which is interesting because these are the Greek equivalent of Apollo and Hercules, the twin sons of Jupiter. So we're seeing these references in the Bible again. Originally in Hebrew, it was called Thaumen, which meant the united. Apollo's brightest star is Castor, which means ruler or judge, and Hercules' brightest star is Pollux, meaning the strong one coming to labor or to suffer. The first deacon is Lepus, the enemy. In newer zodiacs, it's portrayed as a rabbit. How about that? It's a rabbit. Yeah. I don't know where that would come from. But in the older zodiacs, like the Persian planisphere, which is one of the older ones as well, it's portrayed as a serpent. Hmm. Again. something. How many serpents are in the sky? Or at least uh, different pictures of chaos, we could say. But um, well, that explains a lot of the serpentry and imagery throughout the world. Through you know, it's like this serpent trying to, like Trey Smith said in our episode. Uh, that was a good episode. Check that out. But he said uh, it's almost like this serpent's trying to brand himself throughout the world. Yeah. Well, or China, and, and on know, top quasi of that, quasi kettle, you know, Satan. I mean, the Leviathan. Just, I mean, you see it over and over and over. And so I think what, and I, what, what you're saying, it makes sense to the fact that they God, would look into the stars. Well, they God made it. God made a warning in the sky of things to come, but yet those same people that it warned against, those stargazers that Isaiah warned against. Are these ones that uh, that that perverted? Yeah, instead the of looking at it, as, it, instead of looking at it as a warning, they could now start looking at it as prophecy. Yeah, and it was a prophecy to a degree, but it is a it's a uh, they took it and made their own. We right. should say, or they followed after the the you know Satan or whoever it is. Yeah, they whatever started the, the two yeah. fish being chained and pulled opposite directions. They got pulled into the chaos. Into the chaos. And that's, I mean, it's a hard thing. It's a hard line. But you see that. Like I said, we keep seeing this stuff time and time again. Um, second deacon is Canis Major, the prince. Um, the, the star in there is named um, um, Naz, N-A-Z, meaning to come down quickly. The interesting part is the brightest star in this constellation is Sirius, which Sirius is a pretty well-known star again, but um, would actually it actually means prince in Hebrew. <laughs> I mean, uh, Isaiah nine six, same thing, right? We talked about this before. I use the same verse, um, or 
Yeah, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And we go all the way down to Prince of Peace, right? He's the Prince of Peace. And an alternative translation could be the fall of Satan like lightning from heaven. Um, you know, looking at um, Satan's often been called the prince. This is, this is once again one of my own ideas on this. But uh, in Mark 3, 22 uh, to 23, and the scribes came down from Jerusalem were saying he's possessed by Beelzebul and, the, and uh, by the prince of demons. Um, prince he, of the air. He casts out the demons and calls to them and sa says to them, or, I'm sorry, he, and he casts out the demons. He called to them and said to them in parables, how can Caten, or Satan cast out Satan? <laughs> so it, um, it, you also see references to, to uh, uh, non-Jesus princes throughout the Bible, right? You see it with the prince of Persia and prince of Grecia and Daniel. You see the principalities from the Deuteronomy 32. and Because the, they're all sons of God also. Yes. So they're princes. They're princes of the, of the set, the 70 nations. Right. So. Check out our Doug Van Dorn episode for that. It's an yes, that's, well. Very enlightening. Yes. Third deacon, Canis In a non-gnostic way. <laughs> I have to stress that since we talked to Brian Gadawa. <laughs> Missing out on some true Gnostic enlightenment. <laughs> this is the the one I was telling you before. Canis Minor. Um, it's the third deacon, and the the Dendera, which is the the oldest planisphere we have, the Egyptian one we talked about earlier. It has that figure of Canis Minor as a figure with a, a human with a hawk's head called Sabak. Um, kind of interesting. But the brightest star is called Procyon, which means he redeems. Bob fell over. <laughs> well, they got to see this. Sorry. You're getting distracted. Let's back this up. <laughs> Number 11. I just had to say it. You have permission now, so. <laughs> Number well, he, 11 is You're cancer. not saying it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's because he's seen, he's probably, he probably knows on the next edit, that's show that's coming out, I put some little lower thirds that have our name on it. He's back it up, Steve. Nice. That was my dance name back in college. No, college? You're still in college? I, I was in college for a long time. <laughs> Lots of people you go still to go by that dance name. I, I still go through that dance. Yeah, yeah. I still go by that. Yeah. I'm, I'm well known. Yeah. Lots of people go to school for 10 years. Yeah, they're called doctors. Mm. <laughs> Not me. Anyway, 11 is cancer, the crab. Um I think this is kind of cool. It kind of does a, a portrait of Christ as our protector. And, the, and you, you brought this up a little bit earlier. It kind of shows the completion of the Redeemer. When, the, when we talk about Christ the Redeemer, the Redeemer's work. So this is number 11. We're seeing the Redeemer is doing the redeeming, right? We are being saved. This is, this is the end game for us. Um, 
in the middle of cancer is one of the biggest, this is really cool. In the middle of cancer is one of the biggest nebulous clusters in all of the heavens called Presepe, meaning the multitude, the offspring, or the innumerable seed. The heavenly multitude. <laughs> yes. But it's, it's us being drawn to God. It's us at the end. We're redeemed. We're, we're that. We're in heaven with God. We're brought up to his bosom, like mm. it says. So you see that, and I think that's so cool. I said, think about uh, uh, God's covenant with Abraham. You know, your, your, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the heavens. Right? We're seeing it, and not only are we seeing it there, we're also seeing it symbolically in the sky. Um, Another duality. And it's full of it. There's probably like tr like triality and quadrality and all sorts of things that we just can't even fathom. But as uh, Doctor Judd Burton would say, it's just impregnated with meaning. <laughs> wow. Literally, the Virgin. In Egyptian, the name for this is. Calaria, which means the resting places. In Syrian, it's Sartano, which means the one who holds. It is a picture of us in God's embrace, drawing himself to us. I mean, it's just such a cool picture, just a cool idea to see. First deacon, Ursa Minor. The little bear is what we've come to know, but there are no bears, I said this, in the Chaldean, uh, the Persian, the Egyptian, or the Indian planispheres, or zodiacs. Um, uh, Polaris is the brightest star, which is currently our north star. This is this is, gets really cool. I just want to tell you, I'm going to give you a heads up here. This is really cool. This is the, if you haven't listened to this point, listen now. Polaris is the brightest star, which is currently our north star. This has not always been the case, and we've talked about that before. You know, the stars move o over a period of time. The north star has not always been the north star. You know, Polaris has not always been the north star. If you go back 6,000 years ago, around the time the fall potentially of Adam and Eve uh, in these biblical times the North Star would have been Draconis is that not a little bit interesting to think that at the time of the fall every one of these constellations would have been circling around the dragon oh how the mighty have fallen isn't that amazing <laughs> That just is that to me just blows my mind that all that would have been that and as the astrological signs of this world, the world, the fallen world, are rotating around the dragon. Mm. It's it just shows how earthly, how worldly, how uh, sinful the world is ever since that fall of sin. Well, it also said too, you know, when Satan tempted Jesus. He said, you know, bow down before me and I'll give it all the kingdoms unto you. It's been given to me, so therefore I can give it to whom I wish. When you get to Revelation, you know, Satan gives his authority, you know, to the, the beast. It's his to give. He's called the, the, the prince of this world, the prince of the air. Mm -hmm. He fell like lightning. So it makes sense. That's just, it, it just, once again, it's the puzzle pieces. Everything falls into place. Um, the uh, second deacon, Ursa Major, once again, you know, depicted as a bear. 
uh, in modern uh, zodiacs. But um, I should I should say this is that the the way that this was interpreted in this um, one of the books I read they called the the first one Ursa Minor the lesser sheepfold and they called the Ursa Major the greater sheepfold. It's kind of Ursa Major is the one that we know as the Big Dipper. So everybody's seen that. Everybody calls it the Big Dipper. They, you know, they, they know what it is when they see it. That's that and Orion are the two most popular, I would say. But in Arabic, uh, the name is El Naish, and it means the assembled together. Another star in this formation is called Mirach. In, in uh, Hebrew, means the flock, and in Arabic, means purchased. <laughs> Talking about all of us. Purchased, lock his purchase. Up, yes, drawn to his bosom. That God, that He purchased us with His blood. So, third deacon is Argo, the ship. The ship is represented as safely returned to the harbor. So it means it's already back. It's gone on its voyage. It's come back. It's come back home, right? We're seeing the return of the ship. Uh, the brightest star is Canopius, and that means the possession of him who cometh. Um, interesting is that the ship is depicted a little bit differently than the normal ships that you see because you always think about the ship on the bow of the ship on the very front they always had a face you know either a mermaid or a, a, a dragon or something on the front of a ship on this one it's a lion but the lion's head is facing backwards towards the crew it's god looking over us it's god watching over us hmm. just kind of interesting um Twelve, the final sign of the zodiac, the lion, Leo. This, the is, lion. This is terrifying, but this that makes is, sense. Uh, coincidentally, twelve stars that make up the constellation. Coincidentally, twelve tribes of Judah. Well, I'll tell you, twelve is a pretty important number, but when it comes to this, I'm going to tell you, it's terrifying when you look at. If you're not in that last redeemed part that we talked about with cancer, the crab, and you're still um, not one of those those lambs that have been pulled up to him, and you have to deal with Leo the lion, not as fun as it sounds. But um, it means he that rends and tears asunder. It's a picture of the final judgment to come, the end of the zodiac, the end of the age. I'll be with you always to the end of the age, right? You said that earlier. Flowing down that same path. Yep, he comes as a lamb the first time. He suffers. He is a servant the first time. The second time he comes back as a conquering king. Talks about the Leo. the blood up to the bridle yeah. on the horse that he rides. Yeah, it's a lot of blood. Uh, we we talked about the Lion of Judah, and uh, there's multiple verses: Revelation five five, Hosea thirteen seven and eight, Psalm uh, ninety one thirteen. All talk about Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Ben's <laughs> um, distracting him. He he is distracting me, and actually, also think this is interesting because you've brought this up a little bit earlier. Is the first deacon is Hydra, the serpent. So again, we see a serpent. We see a battle of good versus evil there. So 
pretty interesting. But on the planisphere, it shows this serpent's head under the feet of the lion. How about Ain't that? that? Something. Genesis three fifteen again. I think there's something. You know, usually when the Bible says the first something, one, the first one could have been coincidence? the serpent biting the heel. Oh yeah. yeah. Then this one could be him crushing the skull. That's true. But I think that you see it over and over and over again. It just reaffirms. It's right. like any time yeah. the Bible says something more than once, not that there, the yeah. first time isn't important, but if it says it ten times, it's trying to get it through the, the whole Hello McFly thing. Yeah. It's trying that. But um, the second deacon is Crater, or the cup, called the Cup of Wrath. Revelation 14, 10, and 11 he will also drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And in the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. <laughs> Psalm eleven six. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their of their portion of the cup. Um, another interesting thing is two stars on on the cup are actually uh, part of the serpent, kind of in a way of of, of God's cup uh, of wrath as the servants to bear. If you think about it in that way, it's kind of interesting. Um. The third deacon, uh, Corvus uh, the Raven, is a picture of the final destruction and the wicked uh, of the wicked and the aftermath of everything that comes with it. When you see uh, Corvus the Raven, and you think about, and, and it's morbid to think about, and Ben, you're probably the only one of us that have seen anything like this, but um, you know when you talked about. Uh, uh, wars and 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 things that um you know that people you know in our military have been through and if you go back through time you know you can look at the different wars and things of that nature that happened and usually the day after a war there's there's a lot of dead bodies and the birds the ravens the vultures they come and they that's they feast on the bodies devour the the bodies and the beasts of the field Proverbs thirty seventeen says, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. It's funny because I was just about to say they go for the eyes first. The birds do. I don't want to know any more about your story, Ben. First <laughs> uh, Samuel seventeen forty six. This day the Lord will deliver you to my hand, and I will strike down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to this day uh, to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. Uh, Revelation 19, 17 and 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. 
Wow. I mean, that's a picture of the end of the world. The wrath of God being poured out. It ain't going to be pretty. And that just, it just goes to my, I don't know, I guess my, kind of my newfound love for things like Acts and some of the other stuff we've done is that, my gosh, if I don't, maybe the last thing I want to do is get to heaven and God say, why didn't you talk to that person? Right. You were the one that was supposed to. And because I'm nervous or scared or embarrassed, like you should never be embarrassed of God. You should never be nervous or shy to, you know, spread the word. Look at our Acts Bible study. Think about Paul getting stoned to the point they thought he was dead. They drag him out. He gets up, walks back into the city. I mean, then comes back later. Those are some nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't do that. That's insane. Could you say that you would do that? It'd be hard. It would be hard. <laughs> the the thing is that when we get to this point, I want to make sure when I get to heaven, the only words I hear when I walk up there is well done, good and faithful servant. And I know, <laughs> I know I've fallen short of that a million times. But this right here, this picture that has been painted across the Zodiac to show us the starting of Mary as a virgin the birth of Jesus all the way through to the destruction of the wicked, of chaos at the end, and our redemption is unbelievable. It's written in the stars. Even without a Bible, the heavens proclaim the glory yeah. of God. See, if you could drop your mic, that's where you should. But, but, <laughs> I paid a but lot of money for this mic. I ain't doing that. <laughs> Get behind these, Satan. <laughs> I just think that's amazing. We see the proof. We see the the, the pictorial in the sky, uh, the prophecy of the of the Messiah, the the rise of Christ, the fall of Satan, the judgment that awaits. Um, it's just more proof of how how great God is. Amen. It was all written from the beginning in the stars. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this um, as much as I did. Uh, I, I learned so much through this. Um, but in the meantime, keep digging. Dig it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Don't be like a county worker. Get in that hole and dig some. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel. See ya.